Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? It's called a talking board. Ever heard of it? We know you have. We know you have. A Ouija board. <laughs> Very common. Nothing new. And I'm going to state my position on a Ouija board right off the bat. I call bullshit. <laughs> I just know you're going to be on the other side of the camp. <laughs> I like the idea of it, so I want to believe in it. <laughs> um, I don't mess with the Ouija board because I feel like there's got to be something to it. I certainly believe that there is. So I don't mess with them. But do I also believe a little that there's a BS to it? Yeah. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, it's like made by like Hasbro, right? Hasbro. Not the hospital. (laughs) So it's like it's a a toy at the end of the day. I like to just be safe and not mess with it. I have a memory of us using one. Not all the time, but I feel like we did it at least once at a friend's house. I did not have a Ouija board. Same. But I am pretty sure our mutual friend did or had access to one and that we used it at least once together and i just (laughs) i remember using it and then even at the time being like i call bullshit like which one of you idiots is moving this thing around (laughs) with your hands like it ain't moving on its own let's be let's be real but like you never know (laughs) so i guess for anyone who is not familiar with the ouija board it's basically a way to contact a the spiritual realm of deceased members of this world. It's got an alphabet marked on it, like the common Ouija board, the way we know it today. An alphabet marked on it, numbers zero to nine, maybe yes or no, potentially hello, goodbye. And then it has like a little, I guess it's called a planchette, which is just a little like piece of wood or plastic where everybody kind of just puts their hand on. And there's a little like viewing port that you would slide this thing around and it you could view like letters individually through this viewing port. So as you contact the spiritual realm, you all put your hands on it. Everybody claims they're not moving it. Yep. Somehow it moves around <laughs> the board and spells out something or spells out gibberish. It's, Who knows? It's the spirit that's moving it around. Debatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were other versions of this, like, or ways to do this aside from just this specific Ouija board. Um, one version of it, instead of it just being like a viewfinder that would go over the letters on a board, it would just be like a piece of paper underneath and there would be like a pencil holder. And so a pencil would go in it and everybody's hand would be on it, but it would move around and it would actually write something out like with a pencil on paper. Oh, yeah. Oh, my you know God. What I'm yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. Holy shit. I forgot about that. There was another version where they would put like a glass cup upside down on a table in the center of a table. And then they would just have like little cards with the alphabet around it in a circle. And like people would put their hand on the cup and then the cup would move like to the letters. It's all doing the same thing, but like just variation. Right. One final one was like a pencil game, which I think was more popular maybe in like Latin America and locations outside of the u.s and then only very recently did it like come known about in the u.s because like something 
hashtag on Twitter started trending, but it was called the pencil game. And it was like you'd put one pencil down on the table vertically and then you'd put another one on top of it horizontally. So it would make like a cross and like the pencil Mm -hmm. that the pencil that was balanced on top would be like very susceptible to moving around in the slightest breeze or whatever. So then you'd have like just like something written on a piece of paper, like yeses or noes, and like you'd ask it something and see if the pencil would move towards the yes or the no. Okay. I'm thinking like the yes and no when, you know, like when you're trying to ask somebody out on a date, <laughs> it's like, please circle yes or please circle no. Um, That's really funny because I saw something and I didn't read about it too much, but it was about the Ouija board being used as like a dating thing. Oh like, my god. Way back. So like using it just for that exact purpose. Like who has a crush on me? And then like <laughs> just <laughs> spells out like Mario or something stupid. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So who invented this thing? There was like a whole bunch of names swirling around and the inventor, like I don't know, a bunch of investors and patent people got together and like it's a lot of names in the pot. Um one of the guys, his name was Elijah Bond that was originally like inventor quote unquote after he died he just had like a nondescript headstone and people went out in baltimore this is cemetery and found it and then they like pitched in and like bought him a new headstone that has a ouija board on it oh shit they gave him this like giant headstone that says like Elijah Bond, like inventor of the Ouija board. And on the back of the headstone is like all the letters and the Ouija board th- symbols and everything on there. So people have Could nothing better like- to spend their money on. <laughs> Could you do like a seance off his tombstone? Well, that's what people said. They were like, it's great, but it's like vertical because it's, it's the headstone. So like if it was flat, it would have been better. You know how sometimes they just right. have the flat stone. That would have been perfect, mm-hmm. but they did like a vertical yeah. one. So you can't even go and like use it as a Ouija board. <laughs> Missed opportunities. <laughs> Missed opportunity. I guess something of note about all of the people involved in the Ouija board invention is that none of them were spiritualists, but they were businessmen and wanted to make money. Me. When I read it, and I was like, oh, so none of them were even believers. That's very telling. Like, not believers. <laughs> they were just in it for the money. My favorite part about the Ouija board is like when you look up, because it's a weird word, right? Ouija, like mm-hmm. O U I J A. So you're just like, what does that mean? Where did that come from? And the, the best part is that they claim the board named itself. <laughs> they they had invented the board but it needed a name and they said why don't we ask the board what it wants to be called and they did a little Ouija session and the board picked out these letters in this order right. to name it Ouija which I have a lot of questions about that because isn't the whole idea that you're channeling some spirit when you claim that the board named itself like what spirit did you channel to name the board? The board is not a sentient being. <laughs> the board is just a board. So, like, who were you channeling to name the board? That's a valid point. 
how do we go back to like the 1890s? <laughs> and then secondly, I guess it came out that this woman, Helen Peters, who was like, I don't know, sister-in-law of this Elijah Bond guy. She was like a spiritualist, right? She was spiritual. like She was a medium or something like that. Mm-hmm she was wearing a locket <laughs> with a picture of, of a famous or popular women's rights activist named Weida, like O-U-I-D-A. And I guess it had her name, like maybe like her signature on the bottom of this picture in the locket. And it, it looked like it could have said O-U-I-J-A in the signature. <laughs> Who was part of this naming ceremony? And they just looked up at your locket and then they just like <laughs> did the letters that they hey. saw on your locket. I'm wearing a hat today. I don't usually wear a hat, but I had a hat on today and it says Adidas. Would the board call itself Adidas? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like if we were holding a a talking board naming ceremony... I would look up and I'd be like, oh, fuck, we got to name this board something. (laughs) And then I would move the little planchette (laughs) over all day. I dream about sex. Adidas. (laughs) So they also asked the board what Ouija meant. So like they were having a whole conversation with this piece of cardboard. (laughs) It wasn't probably wasn't cardboard back then. It was probably wood. Right. Before Hasbro took it over and made it cardboard. (laughs) And so they said, Ouija. Oh, that's interesting. Never heard that word before, even though it's on my locket. And then they said, what does that mean? And the board replied that it meant good luck. Good luck? Like it's supposed to mean good luck or it's like an ominous good luck? I think it's an ominous good luck. One of the people sitting around the board being like... Good luck with that name, you fucking fool. <laughs> so just in general, just a general comment about the Ouija board. Now that I was thinking about Hasbro making it cardboard instead of wood, it reminds me of Jumanji. Like, you know, the Jumanji movie and how they have that nice like wooden Jumanji board. Yes. And then yep. I-, I owned the Jumanji game when I was a kid. <laughs> it's just like a cardboard <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> And I'm like, no, I want like a hand-carved wooden Jumanji board. <laughs> that one looked so badass in the movie. It totally did, right? It was awesome. And then the version that we got. <laughs> but also, just like just like I'm not summoning rhinoceroses, rhinoceri. <laughs> What's the plural of rhinoceros? Just like I'm not summoning a stampede of rhinoceros when I played Hasbro's Jumanji. I'm also not summoning the dead playing Hasbro's Ouija board. (laughs) Okay. That's the correlation. It's true. It's also true. You're being safe. You're being safe with the cardboard games. All right. Tell us about the patent because there was some drama with the patent. Elijah Bond, who was like the patent attorney, he needed a patent for the now Ouija board. Um, so he brought Peters, uh, the woman that had the necklace, to the patent office in Washington. So he, while he and he was like filling out his application, and the chief patent officer wanted a demonstration because he's like, before I give it to you, I got to make sure 
this thing works. <laughs> so if the board could actually spell out his name, which was supposed to be unknown to Bond and Peters, he'll allow the patent application to proceed. So when they all sat down, you know, talking with the spirits, having a conversation, and the planchette spelled out the patent officer's name, whether or not it was mystical spirits or the fact that Bond, as an attorney, may have just known this guy's name, who knows? I don't know. I think the board did a little bit of magic. <laughs> Is the patent office being run like Shark Tank? Like, I don't understand. Like, you got to fill out your paperwork and then you just like make a dance for me. Make a dance for me. <laughs> like, I don't understand. I'm impressed that like you get an appointment the same day as you fill out the application. <laughs> That's what you took from like, this <laughs> government efficiency. <laughs> wasn't like we'll mail you a letter when you're when we have an appointment available for you he he obviously knew the guy's name if he's a patent attorney and he's looking to get a patent for his game the guy's like probably wearing a name tag like <laughs> come on let's be real the secretary oh i'm gonna take you in now to see mr brown like okay was he wearing a necklace <laughs> all i'm saying that's all i'm saying the board did not just mysteriously know this patent officer's name and if that's the criteria for whether or not he's granting the patent like he needs to see this spiritual board work like i know hasbro has to stamp those boxes as for entertainment purposes only so (laughs) why was he like validating that he was really contacting the spiritual dad i don't know a lot of questions for the patent office of the 1800s, okay? <laughs> Sounds like an amazing job. The time period of this, just to put things into perspective, again, this is like Civil War era time. And I guess mediums and spiritualism all spiked after the American Civil War because a lot of people died and people were just like... Mm-hmm trying to find some way to connect with lost relatives people who went off to war and they never saw her again that kind of thing which is super sad but people were just much more open to this practice at that time yeah so that's kind of why this came about when it did so i don't know if you ever watched peaky blinders but peaky blinders is set in like london uh, and around like 1900s as well and after world war one you see them, a bunch of them go into spiritualists. I don't want to say they're desperate to find out what happened to their loved ones, but I guess they're willing to try anything out. And and just in mass because of all the people mm-hmm. that are dying at the war. Yeah, that's pretty sad, actually. So there have been investigations into how, how do you test whether or not the Ouija board is working or it's just somebody like moving their hands around or whatever. They would do this in like a laboratory setting and they would track like they have these like devices that they put like on your eyes and they would track eye movements because i guess i guess like if you're the one like moving it with your hand in a group of people right yeah you have to be able to see the board right like you gotta be able to see like line it up with the right letters you know what i mean They could track, I guess, based on like the timing of your eye movements. Like, were you looking to that letter before it went to that letter? That kind of thing. Versus the other people would only be watching the thing and where it's headed. Ah. Your your eye would have gone first to it. So like they could tell like kind of what the situation was. I don't know. 
they concluded, I guess, that it was involuntary. So like it was being moved by a person or persons in the group, but it was like involuntary. Like it was almost like there was a what's that word when you like disassociate? Like there was like some disassociation between your mind and your body. You might not even know that you were the one moving it. Like it could just be your brain being like, make sure you don't move your hand, make sure you don't move your hand. And then involuntarily your hand just moves like whatever it was. So So there was that. And then there was also, I guess somebody, I didn't even know where this test took place, but somebody did this thing where they blindfolded the people that were doing it. And then like the board just like came out with like mumbled junk. That's actually an inaccurate test. If you blindfold people. They can't see shit. And it's just like, I don't know what this jumbled message means. Maybe we got to unscramble it or something. (laughs) Maybe it's a wordle. (laughs) I don't know. That's part two of the Ouija board game. You got to unscramble the words. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually a good test. Just fucking blindfold everyone. You would know right there if it's accurate or not, right? So there was a whole section in Wikipedia about, quote unquote, religious responses to the Ouija board. Like, you know, the Catholic Church is going to say something about it. They don't like it. They do not. And it was like, I read through it and it was like a whole bunch of different ways that they had spoken out against the Ouija board. And like, none of them were ever like saying like the same reason like they all they all had like a different reason like oh this bishop said it, you can't use a Ouija board because of you're summoning the devil or this person said this and then like one of their positions was that it was like against the second commandment which like the second commandment is like what well, you shall not <laughs> use the lord's name in vain and i'm like i don't really understand the connection that's a stretch to me did you have to look up what the second commandment was it or said do you remember it, it said it. it. No, I did not remember it. <laughs> it doesn't it just, make sense, though. No, it all seemed like it was like you're all just trying to make some baloney up. For them to be against the Ouija board, don't they have to believe in the Ouija board? Wouldn't they have to believe that it works? That's another good point. I'm the only fake shit you can believe in. You're not allowed <laughs> to believe in that fake shit over there. That's making someone else money. You need to believe in the stuff that's going to make me money. <laughs> right. And why can't we believe in the Ouija board when, like, we believe in the Holy Spirit in, like, the Catholic religion? I'm just using our religion, for example. The Catholic religion is supposed to believe in the Holy Spirit, right? Why can't we, re- like, believe in the Ouija board? Summoning spirit. They, you got people rising from the dead in your religion, but <laughs> God forbid you try to talk to them. <laughs> make it make sense. You can't. And so there's a bunch of different specific tales. Maybe we'll like each pick one and kind of go back and forth. In 1921, New York Times reported that a Chicago woman being sent to a psychiatric hospital tried to explain to doctors that she wasn't suffering from mania but that the Ouija spirits had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before she buried her in the backyard. So is she participating in like a one person Ouija board session to get that information? (laughs) Like, that's what I don't understand. Cause like usually the Ouija board works where like you're in a group of people and then you're all like, who's moving it? I don't know. Are you moving it? I don't know. Are you moving it? 
I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that no one else was aware that her mother's body was in the living room for 15 days. So, like, is she just out there playing with a Ouija board on her own and just moving it around to be like, yes, leave the body in the living room? Like, I don't understand. I guess you could play by yourself, right, on the board? You're just asking the board. Well, but then it wouldn't move because you have to move it. It's finally Duh. clicking. It's finally clicking. Remember, Kelly? <laughs> you guys just watched the realization live here on the pod, okay? Because <laughs> I want to believe in it so bad. There was a trial in London in 1994 where a convicted murderer was granted a retrial after it was learned that four of the jurors had conducted a Ouija board seance and had quote unquote contacted the murdered man who had named this convicted murderer who was on trial as his killer. The jury used a Ouija board to channel the dead person (laughs) to convict the murderer. It wasn't that long ago. If you think about it, 1994, he was convicted for a second time at his retrial and jailed for life. Oh. He got a whole ass retrial over this. A full retrial because of the <laughs> Ouija board. I don't think the Ouija board's a good move. <laughs> I wouldn't rely. I wouldn't rely on the Ouija board. And how did the court allow that? Well, I don't think the court knew about it, but like, how did it come to be known? Like the jurors were doing this like in their little hotel room when they were sequestered. And then like, I don't think they went to the court and like stood up and they were like, okay, jury, hand us your deliberation. And they were like, okay, we, the jury, based on the results of our seance in our hotel room last night, (laughs) (laughs) believe Stephen Young to be the convicted murderer. What? How did that come out? Yeah. The housekeeper at the hotel, like she went. She's cleaning, doing room service, and she's like, a Ouija board out on the jury member's bedroom. Do you think they had such a hard time to all agree on him being guilty that, that this was like their resort? They were like, okay, let's just whip out the Ouija board. We got to get one. Do you think that's what it was? Like they couldn't come up with like guilty or innocent? Yeah, it wasn't unanimous and nobody wanted to change their vote. So they're like, let's leave it up to the, the victim. Let's summon the victim. Yeah. Imagine that would be the new thing if you have like a bench trial, like a bench trial is like just for the judge, right? The judge says if you're guilty or not. A jury trial, which we know today is the 12 jurors, right? And then there's a third option, a Ouija board trial. Trial by Ouija. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I like that. Out of the three, what would you pick? I'm taking my chances on a Ouija trial. (laughs) A jury of my peers. Have you seen Americans? <laughs> At this moment in time in this country, I would go with a Ouija as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any faith. That's less of a toss-up than putting it to the peers. Let's, let's, be, <laughs> let's be serious. So another court case. <laughs> in 1958, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of Mrs. Helen Dow Peck who left only $1,000 in 1958 money to two former servants and 152000 again, in 1958 money 
to Mr. John Gale Forbes, a bodiless spirit who contacted her through the Ouija board. Stop. <laughs> what is he going to do with that money in the afterlife? Hear me out. So this guy just got a million in today, 2023 money. It's like a million. We, 1. We 6, math. 1. 6 million. 1.6 million. And the two servants got like 10,000. How does one like, transfer money into the bank account of a bodiless spirit? Homie got a million dollars. And he's not even real. If I was he actually waiting on this woman hand and foot, wiping her butt and <sighs> cleaning her house, and she left her 1.6 million to spirit. spirit. <laughs> <laughs> How pissed would you be? I would be so pissed. I'd be walking my ass down to the bank. I'd be opening a bank account as Mr. John Gale Forbes. Ich spielt sogar John Gale Forbes. <laughs> Recently, I think there was like a couple in Florida or like a woman in Florida who passed away and she had a couple of money, but she had a bunch of cats and she wanted like her cats. Like I think she had like 12 cats. And she wanted her cats to stay in her home, like in her house that she died in. She like put her money, she did whatever it is that she needed to do. So like her money would go to the house and the cats. So the cats could stay there because they couldn't like find anyone really to like take care of the 12 cats in this home. They couldn't honor it or whatever. So the cats all went to like a shelter. But this now this woman's money goes to the cat's health to like whoever ends up adopting all the 12 cats. So I guess like they adopt the cat and they get some cashola to take care of the cats. At least you left it <laughs> to like an animal. An animal, a ghost. It's like they can't really do anything with money, but at least like the adoptees can get some cash now to help with like vet bills. So it's not the same. <laughs> They couldn't find one single person that was willing to just get like free room and board to take care of these ten cats. I know. In this economy, economy, you couldn't find someone to be willing to get a house for free. And your only stipulation is you take care of ten cats. Sign me up. Where where do I apply? In Florida? (laughs) I know. I know. End up the same in Florida. Oh my gosh. But then again, you're in a house full of cats. I'm allergic, and- but I would be taking like an EpiPen <laughs> <laughs> daily. Free room and board. Are you kidding me? In so the Exodus movie that came out in 1973, which I watched and I loved. I don't know if you did. Um, a 12 year old. Uh, girl Reagan was possessed by a demon after playing with the Ouija board by herself. So this kind of changed how the Ouija board looked like in America because it was like supposed to be like a fun and playful whatever type thing, and then Exorcist turned it to this evil thing. So before the Exorcist um, movie, I Love Lucy had an episode where Lucy and Ethel host a seance using the Ouija board, and it was like silly fun and not scary like the exes a lot of people even till this day won't watch the exes 
I think The Exorcist is a brilliant comedy movie, but that's besides the point. <laughs> I saw I saw the I Love Lucy stuff in your notes and mm-hmm. I was intrigued. I was like, what was this episode about? So I went and I watched the clip of the episode where they hold this seance and I just need to tell yeah. people about it because it's so it's so clever. It's so cute. Like, I feel like I it made me want to go and like just watch I Love Lucy like reruns. Lucy and this businessman, there's a whole backstory that I'm not going to get into, but somehow he tells her that he would love to summon his dear Tilly. She was trying to like make this business relationship with Ricky and this guy. And she's like, oh, we just happen to be holding a seance at our house tonight. How convenient. Why don't you come on over and we can hold this seance to contact your dear Tilly. The guy's coming over. Lucy and Ethel concoct a plan to have one of them like pretend to be the voice of this dear Tilly person that he's (laughs) contacting the seance. So they're just going to pretend to be that voice. Separately, Ricky and Ethel's husband, they concoct their own plan to basically do the same thing. So this man comes back over. He's doing the seance for contacting his dear Tilly. Like, hello, Tilly, are you there? Are you there? And then Lucy does the little voice like, oh, it's and he's like, oh, my gosh, it sounds just like her. And then he said, oh, and I would love to contact my wife. And they were all just like, wait, you want to contact your wife? Like, we thought Tilly was your wife. Right. And then they're like, oh, shit. And so Lucy was about to change her voice and make like another voice for the wife. Fred was making the noises and Lucy was making the noises, but they didn't know. So like they each thought that they had like actually summoned somebody in the sand. So like you actually contacted the other world. Like, did you hear that other voice? And like, whatever, a bunch of idiots. Right. But turns out Tilly was the Cocker Spaniel. This man just wanted to contact his dead cocker spaniel in the seance. Like you, you're kind of like leaving there, being like, "Is this like a mistress?" And then his wife, and like, "What? Who is he contacting?" It was a cocker spaniel, and he was like, "That's what she would have sounded like if she could talk." My God, I'm gonna cry. I love that so much. Tilly, Tilly, are you there? And Lucy's like, "Oh yes, it's me." And he's like, "Oh, it sounds just like her." Really? How did they end up finding out it was the dog? He says it, I think, because they were like, oh, what, okay. do you, what do you mean? That's what she would have sounded like. You don't know what she sounded like. And then he was like, well, she's a Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's precious. I just thought it was super cute. And it just made me appreciate TV writers amidst the strike. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. <laughs> we do. We do. You are going... Off on a trip tomorrow to see our TV writer friend. I am for a couple of days. Just a little getaway. Just a little cross country couple day getaway. We're going to do some Halloween horror nights. Let's hope I get some 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 tales of my own. (laughs) Maybe you will. And you'll have to share them with us on our next spooky episode next week. In the meantime, you guys can follow us on Instagram at underscore it's called culture. And thanks for listening.